This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 290 with D'Arlando Fortune, also known as Fortune. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 290. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Fortune is a shameless dad and the oldest of two kids. These things should make him a responsible, motivated leader, which he is today. But the road he took to get here reads differently. Although he graduated from university with honors and an opportunity to play professional baseball, he chose to become an accountant for the government. But the government wasn't challenging enough for his active imagination. So he started studying successful people and decided that that's what he wanted to do with his life. It was at this point in his life that things changed and it got a lot worse before it got better. Financial success in real estate revealed emotional and mental wounds that needed healing. And before he could make those shift in mindset, he battled addiction, five felony charges, and a potential 12-year prison sentence. Fortune wrote a book about his journey and the lessons he learned along the way. As a father, a coach, an author, and a speaker, Fortune brings a unique approach to understanding the wisdom of living a purpose-driven life. You'll learn from him not only the practical steps for improving the major areas of your life, but also the scientific evidence and spiritual elements that lead to a blessed life and business. Listen in to hear Fortune share his entrance into fatherhood as an addict how facing five felony charges and a 12-year prison sentence turned his life around, how he got clean in order to show up for his kids, the power of habit in overcoming addiction, and how he uses his no-doubt mindset to stay focused and successful. I'm so grateful to Fortune for coming on the show. I love having shameless dads on from time to time, and especially a shameless dad who has a story of struggling through the face of adversity and recognizing the power of story when they're on the other side and using that story to choose to write the ending on their own terms and use it to empower their entire lives. And Fortune has certainly done that, as you're going to see as he shares a story and his path to success, which is anything but traditional. So let's dive in with Fortune. Fortune, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here as a shameless dad today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I love it when 
like every once in a while, I get a dad reaching out and they always are. They're like, I know I'm not a shameless mom, but I'm a shameless dad. And let me tell my story. And when I started reading through your email, I was like, this is an amazing story. And I was immediately drawn in and wanted to learn more about you and more about kind of the path and the journey you've been on. So I'm so excited to dive in. And I just appreciate you reaching out because I know sometimes I think that we think we're not qualified in certain spaces and you don't know unless you ask. So I totally appreciate you reaching out and asking because you're very qualified to be here. And this is going to be a really fun conversation. Well, I appreciate it. it. You know, it's interesting how often I've been on women-produced events. It's just something about, I'm like, I'm going to be the rebel in me says, <laughs> I want to get on a woman's show. Like, totally. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and ask, you know, and find out. I might be the only man in the room. It won't be the first time. <laughs> hey, and that's just fine. And that's how I feel when I see like a panel of all men presenting at something. And I'm like, oh, how do I get in there? <laughs> they need to have a woman mm-hmm. on there. So I love it. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little more about the dynamics Absolutely. of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. The one thing I have to put out here from the very beginning is that I am a very spiritual person. And as we'll get into a little more here um, as we go into the story. I got away from that. And so that I believe is part of the reason why I went down the path that I went in. And I'm very confident that's part of the reason why, a big part of the reason why I went down the path that I went. So one thing that I endeavor to do in all that I speak about, all that I talk about with the clients and so forth I have, and when I'm presenting to even to younger kids is making sure I include an element of spirituality along with the science of what's going on when I'm talking about. So I have this like weird dynamic. I wanted to say, here's what the science says, and then step <laughs> to the other side, but here's what the spirituality of the aspect of this is. And between the two of them, I believe we have this nice mold because I believe that the science is proof of life through facts. And then we have spirituality as proof of life or evidence of life through faith. Mm-hmm. And we can't have one without the other. They balance each other back out. And so what that path has shown for me is that I get on to some really interesting topics, like really dive into some weird stuff. And I try to talk to people about it everywhere I go on the bus. If I'm on the bus, I don't ride the buses as much anymore, subways, whatever. It doesn't matter. Random people in stores, I have a conversation about spirituality. And it's the weirdest thing. People look like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Not in public. But I ask those questions that people are afraid to ask. I'll ask people about their finances just because what I've learned is, again, I'm kind of shameless about who I am and how I'm supposed to be helping other people. And that path was shown to me when I got reconnected with God and says, you have a mission. Stop being scared about all of this. That's one thing that I really, that's not in my bio, is really going out and talking to people about what is really on my heart and trying to go actually say, talk to more people about, the, about recovery and from addiction. Because uh, it's really, really big. There's thousands of people dying every single day. And we don't know about it unless that's part of your story. Yeah. So that's something I really try to talk to kids about. That's, I'm not to get too somber. It is what it is. <laughs> no, you know, and I appreciate that. And, you know, addiction is such a pervasive problem right now. And so like anyone who's talking about it, I'm so grateful because it's a big problem and there's like no boundaries around who it's touching. It's not just people in certain oh. cities or living certain lifestyles or from certain socioeconomic backgrounds. It is a big thing. And it's honestly like as a parent, I have a six-year-old son it's one of my biggest fears is like addiction looks a lot different now than it looked when I was growing up. And so I totally appreciate that that is a conversation that people are having openly. And I totally appreciate that you're doing that. So thank you for that. And I love that intro. That was really great. And I can tell this is going to be fun. I'm excited to dive into all of this. So let's talk about your entrance into fatherhood. What was your life like at that time? What were the struggles you were facing? So when I first became a father, is different before than when I became a daddy. Mm -hmm. So I have two children, okay? And I say that because I fathered both children, of course, but for my first child, I was in college. Interesting thing about this is the woman that I was engaged to, about December of 1999, she ended up getting pregnant by another guy while I was off at college. So I had this whole image of like, you know what? I don't care. I love you. We're going to just make this happen. And she broke up with me over my Christmas vacation from college. Like that was like the worst Christmas vacation ever. But here's the thing. I had this New Year's resolution that 
I'm like, to be a butthole. Like, it was one of the best years ever. 2000 was one of the best years. I just told anybody how I felt. I didn't care. My addiction just continued to grow a lot. I met a woman over the summertime while I was at a club, underage. I was underage in a club. And I met this woman nine years older than me, and we got hit it off. Mm. And she became my, the mother of my first child. And I thought that I was going to go ahead and be this great father. And like, my father's fantastic, was awesome, great provider. He's always there for me. Never saw him cry until I finally got injured years later in my life. I never seen my father cry, but he always showed this strong love, right? So I figured that's the model I have to be. I've had a great model, but it didn't come around that way. I was still thinking about being me. I was 22 when he was born and I was out in DC and so much excitement going on. And my son was here in Indianapolis and I wasn't a great father there. I wasn't, I was more into like, what can I do without me? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about that is later on that that story changed with my second child. Mm-hmm. So you <laughs> that, said, that was really t- going through. <laughs> you mentioned being in the midst of addiction at that time that you became a father. What did that look like at that time? And I'm assuming that continued to evolve after. Yeah. So at that time, I didn't know it was addiction. I thought it was just being 20. Like, yeah. you, know, you just go out and you have fun. And it's regular because I was fully functioning. I mm-hmm. could go out and drink and have fun. And out in D.C., they had these happy hours, which they don't have here in Indianapolis, but they had happy hours. So I could go there. They feed you so that you could absorb more alcohol. And you get there early, and it was like a dollar or whatnot for, for drinks. Mm-hmm. So it was not uncommon for me to know which club was doing what on what day of the week. Mm-hmm. Go there, have a happy hour, and go drink, and then be done. The next day, go right into work as if nothing happened. So I didn't see that it was really causing any problems. Mm-hmm. So you were totally functional. Uh, I was totally functional. I was working for the government. I didn't, as an accountant, there was not too much you really had to worry about as a government accountant. It's really an oxymoron, <laughs> honestly, government accountant. But that's where I was. It wasn't much going on. Yeah. So you bring up a good point because I think that there is definitely one of the interesting things about addiction is that it can look like so many different things to so many different people and people can be really highly functional as addicts. And it sounds like maybe mm-hmm. you were among those people. Okay, so tell us, I know there was a time in your life where you had your college degree, you graduated with honors, you had an opportunity to play pro baseball, you decided to take this government job as an accountant. Mm-hmm. And so like, everything was lined up pretty well for you to be on this path to success. And you came from, it sounds like your dad was successful, like you had this great dad who was you know involved and engaged in your life. So really like everything was all set up for you to do all the things. And at a certain point, you found yourself potentially facing a 12-year prison sentence. So what happened Mm -hmm. there? When I graduated from Howard University, I graduated with honors, with a degree in accounting, right? Mm -hmm. But I also had an opportunity to go play pro baseball. I went to Division I, Howard University is Division I. I went there on a full athletic scholarship, okay? And then I transferred over in about my third year, we needed to make some more room because it's a private school and make some more room for some other athletes to come on. They needed some more finances for the student athletes. So they asked me to go on to an academic scholarship. So I transferred to an academic full scholarship. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. 
So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 50 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So that's love the caliber that I have. I have the brains and I have the bronze. And I like to say I have the beauty. Now, the <laughs> thing is, <laughs> when I graduate, I have all these opportunities. And he says, I go ahead and go and work for the government. Because again, I'm thinking, I'm going to be this great father, right? Mm-hmm. That was my idea. And remind, so with the timeline, I want to just connect the dots here with the timeline. So your child mm-hmm. was born while you were in college? Yes. My son was born at 22. So I was just graduating okay. Okay. from college. And so when my son was born there, I'm thinking like, I got this government job because that was the biggest decision. I'm going to make this money yeah. working for the government because it's concerning I'm working for the headquarters for USDA. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'm going to make all this good money. I can take care of my son, this and that and the other. But again, as I said, I started partying, having all this money. I started partying. Mm-hmm. And then I picked up a second job serving because I love the hospitality industry. So I started serving and then I got into culinary school. And so I'm making all this money. And instead of me sending money home, I'm actually going out and partying more. And so the alcohol continued to evolve and continued to evolve until I found myself in trouble with my first DUI mm. a few years later with my first DUI. And I also got caught with some two seeds and some stems in my car. <laughs> this police officer said he was going to take me to court for it, right? So my family decided, they decided that you're going to need to come back to Indianapolis. An interesting thing about this was it wasn't too long before this happened where it was my last day working for the government. And I had gone that last week of working for the government, I had gone up to Boston to learn how to buy real estate. So I didn't really care so much that I was my last day working with the government. They didn't extend my program because I was like, I got this real estate thing to do. Mm. So I came to Indianapolis and I started buying real estate and I started being kind of successful with buying real estate, rental properties. And I still have those properties. But of course, now I have even more cash coming in my hands. So I graduated from the small drugs and alcohol that I was doing to the higher and more potent things. Mm. And that's where my addiction started. just really kicked it up until I got to the point where I wasn't using the money that was coming in properly. So I removed myself from my real estate business so I wouldn't continue to destroy it. And at this point now, it's like, I got to find another way to feed my habit. Mm. So feeding that habit called me to do start doing hustling. And I'm not going to get into the different things that I was doing when I was hustling. But those things are what got me in trouble until I finally find myself facing three different cases with five different charges against me. They're all mm. felonies. And it's all happened in one year. Wow. And they're all similar charges, which means by the three strikes rule, 
I was supposed to get the full extent of whatever those charges were. But through the grace of God, able to get into a program so I didn't have to go to prison. But I'm facing 12 years of prison because it was, it was four years max penalty for each of those. And I was supposed to get four years for each, for each one. one. It was bad. And then it was, was it like a plea deal that you took if you went into a program that you wouldn't have to do the time? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the program that I was able to get into, my attorney got me into this program that you get to have the charges dismissed if you successfully completed their program. And it had been a year since I had successfully completed a probation, so let alone this stringent program where I was going to have to sit, go in front of a judge once a week and talk about what I've done and take all these random drug tests. It changed my life, though. Was the program accountability changed my life? And was the program Mm -hmm. like inpatient kind of program where you were living in treatment? No, this was all through the court system. Okay. So once a week, I was actually going in front of the judge and giving reports on what I've been doing and. They tell me the results of my drug screens and so forth. I did have to go through an outpatient program as part of that, okay. but everything was still run through the court system. So okay. I had to report on that. Then I also, the outpatient program I was in also required me to go to drug classes, 12-step programs. Okay. okay. And so that whole was like a perfect storm of things for me. And I call it a perfect storm because at this time, my second child is born mm. and I'm trying to figure out what to do in this situation. How do I keep take care of myself, let alone take care of an infant? Not only that, but how do I keep myself from going to prison in the process? And then how do I get a job and all these other things? Because with a felony, the way the system is set up right now in the United States, it's hard for me to get employment. Yeah. Like I was literally told that I couldn't have basic jobs like a Taco Bell and things of that nature. I went to that low. I've applied to Steak and Shake. And Steak and Shake, when I'm in there in my suits, because I'm used to wearing suits and stuff, that's how I was brought up. See, my dad, that's my idea. My dad dressed, <laughs> they dressed like the man you want to be. So mm-hmm. I'm in there, like, I'm management and ownership material. So that's how I dress going into interviews at Taco Bell and things of that nature. Well, the guy, the lady from Steak and Shake takes my resume, the application and whatnot, goes into her office and comes back out and says, we don't hire your kind. <gasps> so that, like, really hurt my feelings. Like, and I still keep a little Steak and Shake a little fold-up little cars or whatever they give out to the kids. I have it in my window to remind me, like, they told me we don't accept your kind. Yeah. And that reminds me every day that you got to go out and make it happen for yourself. Yeah, yeah. That, all this, this, this perfect storm of all these different things. And I was still trying to stay clean because I was in jail for nine months for this, while this whole time trying to get into this program, waiting. Waiting oh, so you did have to do some time. Okay, so you did nine months. I did. I had, and then you got into yeah, the program. Yeah, they, okay. they didn't release me. Okay. They did not release me because it was, you know, like I said, it was three different cases going on in one year and they're all for the same crime. Okay. So they weren't giving me bail. Yeah. You had to sit in here till we figured out what we're going to wow. do with you. And wow. it ended up being nine months while I'm on. Think about waiting. I mean, oh my waiting gosh. for nine months. I guess you don't understand with the baby, six years old. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, but my nine, nine months, months was, I mean, my nine months of waiting for a baby, the context is a little different than, like, different. Uh, than sitting in jail. It is a little, it looks a little different, but the idea of... But yeah, but wait, I mean, nine months feels like, like oh a long God, time. It's been nine months. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then the difference for me is I didn't know it, what was going to happen. Right. The 12 years was hanging over my head the whole nine months. Mm. But when, within, when I was released and going into this program, I was high within 45 minutes <gasps> of being released, even though I didn't use the whole nine months. So I was facing my addiction. Like, oh, my mm. God, and I got to take care of a child. And I can't even take care of myself at this point. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of things going on at that point that I had to try to figure out and really lean on my family, lean on the support of people who had successfully <laughs> gotten clean and then lean on God, my higher power, mm. to help get me back on my feet and get focused on what's really important in my life. Yeah. So being in jail for nine months, obviously there's lack of opportunity mm. to use. And when you get out and you're high within oh, no, 40, no, 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 oh, there's no, not no, lack of opportunity no. to use. Oh, no. Then how did you stay clean there's, for nine months? No. And I guess, I don't know. I guess I watch Orange is the New Black, so I should know that there's plenty of opportunities mm. to use in jail. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I love Orange is the New Black. That is... <laughs> That's my knowledge of the prison system. So you made it clean for nine months and then you're high within 45 minutes. Was it because you knew that like you had this little window of opportunity before you started the program or like what made you use at that point after being sober for nine months? Here's the thing. I'm an addict. Yeah. I want to put it specifically like that because I don't understand everything that goes on. Mm. 
here's what I want to liken it to. For me, any addict that is in recovery, such as myself for years now, any addict that's in recovery is like a person not being themselves. And I can compare it to this. You can't expect a cat to act like a dog because a cat is a cat. So for me, my whole brain has been rewired to be an addict. So for me to act like anything other than an addict is a miracle. It's like a cat acting like a dog. So when I got out, I was still an addict. I just hadn't used for so long. I didn't have a program that I was working with and other people to support me in that. While I was inside, I had focused on myself and trying to make the best impression for this judge to let me get out. Okay. That was my focus. Okay. But when I got out, I didn't have all that stuff. Right. I'm still an addict. So I went back to acting like an addict immediately. Okay. And then you started the program and that gave you some structure and framework to start basically being the cat acting like the dog instead of... (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. That is, that's exactly what it is. And that's why yeah. it's so difficult for people who are not addicts to really understand, like, why would you keep doing this mm-hmm. when you know? I was like, because the only answer is I'm an addict. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, I think that's a really interesting analogy. And that I think that probably is really helpful to people who don't understand addiction and, and, you know, maybe haven't seen someone struggle with it or don't have a connection to it. And so do you feel like over time, like, does it feel like you are able to more and more act like you know, if you're the cat acting like the dog, does it take like less intentionality or is it every single day you're having to be intentional every single minute about acting like the dog rather than the cat? It depends on a person. And so for me, it took some time and it, sometimes it was one day it took, you know, and I just focused, it was, I had to focus just on that day. Sometimes it was focused on just an hour, but over time it got the triggers and the things that caused me to think about going to that euphoria state, we got further and further and further and further apart. So at this point, okay. it's much easier for me okay. to just go out and not even worry about that. I right. didn't pop up in my head right. nearly as much. Right. Like it's rare. And I think remind like, wow, I think about using it a long time. Yeah. However, the one thing I identify at this point is that adjective to it. I'm mm-hmm. a recovering addict. Yeah. So yeah. now that is my identity. Yes. That's huge. That's a huge difference. And one thing I want to mention, like on the science side of things for people, because addicts have like your brain wiring is different than a non-addict. And so when you talk about like, you know, the cat trying to act like the dog, you really are trying to like outsmart or I don't know the right word, outsmart, rewire, whatever the chemistry of your brain to train yourself to not use. And when your brain is like born to function a certain way and it's been triggered to use and, you know, live within addiction, that's a lot of work to do that rewiring and to like, you know, manage those triggers in other ways. And so there's science behind that as well in terms of the addict's brain. Absolutely. And part of what we have to understand is that as we go into the science side of it is that we're talking about habits. Yeah. And when I created a habit of this is what I wanted to do every day. And when you have created a habit, it is an automatic behavior. I don't have to think about it. There's a trigger to say, we talk about Charles Duhigg talks about power of habits, but you have a trigger, you have your response to that trigger, and then you have a feedback, right? You have a reward. So the same thing happens for an addict. And the more we continue to do that, the stronger that habit gets. So if I'm getting an addiction, if I'm continuing to feed into this habit, this behavior, then I'm making that wiring in my brain stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger Mm -hmm. and stronger to the point where everything I'm doing is starting to revolve around this habit to satisfy it. Because we also now have the psychological triggers going on and I have the physical triggers that's going on. And so there's a lot of stuff working towards that. Now, if we can do this to create a habit towards using, now I can also turn around and rewire my brain to create a habit of success. Yes, so I love that. That's that what I was going to just ask you. With my clients. Yes, yeah. so it's the same thing I started working on with my clients because I still have to, coming out of recovery, I had to think about who I am. What is my purpose, right? I had to start thinking about my principles that I want to live by. Mm-hmm. I had to start thinking about my personal development and my personal beliefs. How do I start improving myself a little bit every day? And how do I start <laughs> get them, I'm about to get passionate. I don't go with the personal development, about personal beliefs. How do I feel about myself, about the different areas, about my relationships, about my finances, about how I go about living my everyday? 
from what beliefs are causing me to sit back and not be myself. What beliefs are stopping me from going out and showing up in my life the way God would have me show up? What beliefs are stopping me from being the same as that? Mm-hmm. What beliefs are stopping me from going out and being who I was designed to be? And then how do I start creating the productivity and the habits in my day and getting the personal power, the energy and things of that nature to go out and do the things that I said I really want to do for my personal mission, my principles, and in my personal beliefs? How do I go out there and start making that happen in my life? And then from there, I have all these things I want to do. I still got to be able to interact with people. But when you're in addiction, you try to stay away from people. You don't want people to get too close for you because they might find out what you've been doing and who you really are. Or you may not even trust them. And then you might not trust yourself because you've been manipulated for so long. So now how do I start building on those people skills and using persuasion for good, mm-hmm. right? People right. look at the word manipulation and think of it as a negative connotation, but we're constantly manipulating each other. Mm-hmm. Anytime I make a request of you, I'm manipulating you. But now I can start using that same skills, NLP and so forth, to persuade you to do the things that you want to do. I tell some of my clients, you know, I'll say, they say, like, I'm going to brainwash you into being successful. <laughs> so just I love that. that. I brainwash yourself into being successful. Because here's the thing. I brainwash myself into becoming yeah. an addict yeah. and being, making it acceptable. It's not acceptable to do the things that I was doing. Right. It's not. Right. But if you do something long enough and you start continuing to convince yourself and saying the same things, those affirmations that I said to myself about, it's okay, it's just another thing, it's just this or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I'm telling myself, brainwashing myself through those affirmations that addiction was okay. Going and stealing was okay. Lying was okay. All the things I was doing was okay. But against when God, all against my programming. That's the science side. My spirituality is still pure and says, no, this isn't who I designed you to be. No, this ain't right. And that's where my depression starts continuing to kick in because my spirit is saying, we don't want this. Mm-hmm. This is not who you're supposed to be. And it's constantly talking to me about it. And so, of course, I get a little more high to get rid of that. Yeah. But now on the opposite side, as I start doing the things I'm supposed to do, my spirit says, yeah, boy, that's what I'm talking about. That's my boy. Like, it's constantly patting me on my back. And mm-hmm. then I got to look in the mirror like, you're okay. You're yeah. okay. You're doing pretty good. They, this, the opposite sides are the same thing. Still working on the habits and mm-hmm. using them to build me up instead of just tear me down. Right, right. I think that's such a powerful way to look at it and to look at, like, the analyzation and, like, the personal assessment of habits and really mm-hmm. establishing new habits. To, you know, I talk about habits happening basically in a vacuum. And so if you were to say to an addict or to someone, you know, I use this in the context. So I have been in the fitness industry for the last 16 years. And when I would talk to my weight loss clients mm-hmm. about their habits. And I would say, you know, if every night at eight o'clock you eat a bowl of ice cream and then you decide like, I want to lose weight. So I'm not going to eat the ice cream anymore. And you know, the, the first night you do that at eight o'clock, you're just going to be sitting there thinking, but I want the ice cream. I want the ice cream. Like that's what I've done for the last 382 days in a row is had the ice cream. And so you always have to have a new habit in place of the old habit, or you're just sitting there in this vacuum where the old habit lived. And all you're doing is perseverating on the old habit and dwelling mm-hmm. on it. And you, it's like very, very hard to move forward. And so whenever you stop an old habit, regardless of this is an addiction, or if this is maybe something not as severe as addiction, you have to put a new habit mm-hmm. in its place. There has to be a new habit to fill that space, to fill that void, to fill the vacuum. And so I hear you saying that that's mm-hmm. exactly what you did is that you had to be really conscientious of these habits are no longer serving me. There has to be something else to fill that space that those habits took up. And I think that's super powerful. And that's how you you know start to rewire the brain. And it's how you start to have different conversations in your head where you stop justifying the things that truly weren't serving you, even though it maybe did feel like they were serving you a little bit when you got to numb out and get high and feel good and feel like, you know, you like Mm -hmm. made it through the day. And so I Mm -hmm. totally appreciate that. So talk a little bit about some of the specific habits that you put into place and what that looked like for you and how that started changing things and shifting things for you. Okay. So the most important thing for me in making this shift in my life, a dramatic shift in my life is realizing that I have freedom and structure. There's so much freedom in my structure. Yes. I say that all the time. I love that. (laughs) Absolutely. But here's the thing. We talk about freedom and structure, but the majority of your day is chaos. And I don't mean chaos like everything's going astray, like everything's the fires all around you and every the problems. You're running around with the head cut off all day. No, chaos meaning that you're not in control. Yeah. Right? But there's two parts of the day that you have control of. You and I, every, we all have control over. That's how we wake up and how we go to bed. How we wake up and how we go to bed. So I can, in the middle of that, 
I have chaos and I'm dealing with everything that's going on in my life, right? Everybody's things put upon me, things are not going the way I want them to do. You know, typically what happens throughout the day. But in the morning, if I wake up and say, I got to get ready for my day, people talk about having a balanced life is not going to happen. There's no balance in the life. You may have harmony, you may have harmony you want to create in your life amongst all of the things that's going on. Because the very idea of balance means that you're constantly moving. In order for you to have balance, those things are moving side to side and constantly off balance. So in order to create balance, you have to constantly make adjustments through the day. So how am I going to prepare myself to make these constant adjustments to the day? That's what I do in my morning. And I touch on all four parts of who I, who I believe we are as a whole. We have physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of us. So how do I get myself strengthened in the day, fortified in the day to take on the rest of my day because it's going to drain me in all four of those categories. So I have a morning routine to help me do with that. Tell me more. We love morning routines in the Shameless Mom Academy. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about morning routines all the time. And I totally agree with you. I think it's the most powerful thing that you can do is have a really intentional morning routine. Tell us all about yours. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So mine actually began in those nine months. Because I had all this time to myself when I was locked up, all this time to myself to figure out how to change my life, right? And so I started creating a routine based around when I was eating. (laughs) It was very simple. When it was time to eat, I did certain things before and afterwards and different pieces of my routine that I actually packed together as a morning routine when I was released because I didn't have time to do other stuff all throughout the day, right? But I could spend an hour or two hours if I really felt like it or less than 20 minutes if I really need to hurry up and get things done. And what I have is called the two eggs philosophy. Actually, this is actually going to be my next book I'm in the process of writing is uh, two eggs philosophy. It stands for, title is going to be two eggs are better than one, but one will do. So here's what it stands for. The two eggs. The first egg stands for E is exhale, right? That's about meditation. First thing in the morning. I actually got into transcendental meditation. I absolutely love it. I still practice mindfulness throughout the day, just getting myself present. The first G stands for, this is again personal to me, spirituality and science, is gratitude. When I think about gratitude, it's me going into prayer and saying thankful for this day, being forgiveness and asking for forgiveness for the things that have happened and really counting my blessings from the past day, right? The next G stands for God. So for me, that means getting into spirituality. It might mean I read some, some book on Stoicism. It might mean I get into the Bible. Often it means I get into the Bible for me. There might be some other little spiritual texts that I might get. It's some daily meditations that I've heard. Uh, I think it's called Awakenings. I think it's Daily Awakenings, but it's a very good book out there. You can go find on Amazon. It has great meditations where you think about and get really present in your day and how you're feeling and the relationships you're in. But things like that is me getting in contact with God. The S stands for story. For me, that means to read, okay? I'm listening to somebody else's story or trying to develop my own story. So I'm reading some type of book, okay? So that's E-G-G-S. So that's the first egg. And if I do that, I'm great for the day. But I try to get the second one in almost every single morning. At some point during the day, I'm going to get it out, but I try to get all in in the morning. So the second E stands for exercise. And I don't have to necessarily get into a full-blown out you know, sweat drip pouring off of me. But if I get to moving in the morning, a little bit of yoga or some stretching or go for a walk in the morning, do some push-ups, things of that nature to get my blood going, that's what I need to do. And I need to do it daily. And then, of course, incorporate some more, as you already probably teaching, uh, coaching on, is getting a little some more strenuous exercises in there throughout the day on a regular basis to keep yourself in good shape and good healthy and brain functioning and all other things that come along with exercise. So that next G stands for my goals. So I'm writing out my mission statements. I have a whole sheet called it's 10 minutes a day list that goes through all your things that you want to put on, you want to focus on for the day. Your three most important things you have care, you need to do for the day. Keep those your main things. So if you do to keep your main thing, your main thing, you'll never have to worry about what your main thing is leading to, right? You got to focus on it. There's three habits that I'm working on because you want to continue tracking our habits, continue to improve through the Kaizen idea of constant improvement, or as Tony Robbins would say, constant and never ending improvement, right? So what are habits are you creating and focusing on? Because I know we're creatures of habits. So what habits are ruling my life? I need to take control of those. Then my mission statements, what am I focused on for the day? Then I write down things I'm going to work on for the day, including my tasks and put them all out on my little today, 10 minutes today list. Take 10 minutes, right? And then I have this, the next G was get the pick. So I'm visualizing. Visualizing is such a powerful idea. And what the research shows is your visualization, you only need to do it, I believe it's either 13 seconds or 17 seconds. Can't remember. Oh. I'm going to say 17 because it's probably better. 17 seconds of focused visualization actually starts rewiring your brain. 17 seconds. There's little 17 seconds. You can't tell me you can't visualize. And so the thing that. is, well, what do I visualize? 
Yes. <laughs> I love that. Like, wait a minute, I can just get something. Yes. 17 seconds. Starts rewiring your brain. It's crazy how much it causes so much things going on in your brain for you to focus on these ideas. It creates a portion of it, and you got to get intense uh, visualization. But in this moment, it's like, what do you visualize? What do I visualize? Well, what research shows is that when we visualize the end goal, which is constantly, which is often practice, you always visualize the end goal. When I do that, I'm kind of disconnected with it because often if my goal is big enough or as we're taught to do, we don't know how to get there. So we still want to look at it. Yes, know what it is. But it's more important for me to focus on my daily practice. When we talk about athletes who are trying to, you know, professional athletes who are trying to improve, they don't visualize. You don't hear them talk about I'm visualizing all day winning the trophy. No, they say I visualize the trophy, then I focus on what I got to do today. That's what's most important. What visualizing a perfect day. How, I'm going to knock this out. I'm going to knock that out, knock this out. That's what I'm visualizing me doing the activities. And guess what that does? It starts, your brain takes that idea and says, all right, I'm going to figure out how to make this day perfect. Because all I got to do is work again. It's coming back from my recovery principles. I focus on one day at a time. And if I focus on today being perfect, enough perfect days makes a perfect week, enough perfect weeks makes a perfect month, enough perfect month makes a perfect quarter, perfect quarter becomes perfect years. And they add up. Yeah. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people with, heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly, Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue, and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him, and it was getting kind of like icky, and you know, like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse. And so Active Skin Repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately. And it, I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect. So Vinny does not like ointmenty, creamy, lotiony things on his body, but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. So I can't focus so much on an end goal as I can on today. So I spend a few seconds thinking about where I'm going and then say, all right, how do I make this today perfect? And I go right from that energy that I have from my visualization, I go right into doing my statements, my affirmation statements. And I have mine recorded and I start listening to them. And I love hearing my own voice, uh, if you can't tell already. So when I, <laughs> I get myself pumped up when I'm listening to my statements and I'm ready to go from there, I'm on fire. From the very beginning of my day, I'm on fire. 
of course, you have an evening routine to start getting winding back down from the end of the day, the de-stressing. You have to track what you're doing through the day. What you track makes an impact. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase when I click yeah. it. What you track makes an impact. So if you're not tracking anything, you're really not making a big impact on your life. Or if you are, you don't know what it is. So at the end of my day, I bring out that 10 minutes a day list and I start going through my winner strategy, which is what worked today? What do I need to improve on? What notes do I have? Things that happen that are notable or just other notes I may have from the day. And then what action am I going to take tomorrow? Winner strategy. That's the winner strategy. W-I-N-A. And everybody wants to be a winner. Yeah. If you don't want to be a winner, probably don't need to be around you. You my peoples. I like winners. <laughs> I appreciate that I, I was a loser point. for a while, so I don't want to be around them anymore. <laughs> And that's a really valid point. I mean, that's a huge, and that's probably been, I mean, you can speak more to this if you want, but deciding who you're going to expose yourself to and surround yourself with. And I always say like, people should know and understand that it's an honor to be in your inner circle. And that isn't for us to be like snotty and, you know, uppity about who isn't invited into our inner circle, but that's a place of honor for anyone to be like in your, you know, five people that you spend the most time with. And so you have to choose Mm -hmm. who those people are very carefully and not let it be just people who just happen to be there, like because they live close to you or they happen to work with you or they happen to be in your family. No, like you get to pick who those people are that you spend the most time with and that you have the most influence in your life. And you have to choose carefully and choose wisely and really make sure that and like, I mean, I totally agree. You have to choose to surround yourself with winners. And sometimes that's really, really hard. Sometimes that's not the people who happen to be right around you. And you have to go seek out those people that would be a better fit to be in your inner circle. Absolutely. You know, you know, you know mom, grandma, whomever may have told you that, you know, be careful who you associate with was right. When we were teenagers, like, yeah, whatever. I make my own rules. I make my own decisions. Yeah, they don't influence me. But, you know, every time they say, let's go do this, you wind up doing the same thing, even though you really don't want to do it. Right. Because all the rest of your friends are doing your right. so-called friends. Right. Right. So that, that doesn't end. That and doesn't that end. doesn't so, end so after childhood. It, it's totally, no. it's the same thing in the workplace. It's the same thing with the parents at school. I mean, I can't tell you the mm-hmm. messages and the conversations that happen in our private Facebook group about like being among all the other soccer moms or about around all the other working mm-hmm. parents or whatever, like that doesn't end. So you have to be really conscientious about how you manage it as you get older and as you want to take more responsibility for the direction that your life is taking. Absolutely. And one other thing I just want to add on there is that Yes, one aspect of the people you're associating with comes from your physical people, like in your life, you know, whether phone calls or social media or whatnot, whoever you're spending most time with. But the other aspect of who you're associating with is also the stuff you're putting into your brain. So that may be the news. That's a still associations. That's still the people you're putting in, you're getting to spend a lot of time with. But also that means the books that you're reading, the music that you're listening to is all affecting Mm -hmm. you. You're becoming more and more like the music that you listen to, whether you want to believe it or not. It's affecting you. The people that you're following on social media. People that follow on social media. All that stuff is affecting you. Mm -hmm. Now, some more than others. But if you're trying to, uh, here's my favorite quote by Jim Rohn. He says, from testimonials and personal experience, we have enough evidence to conclude that it's possible to design and live an extraordinary life. So what that means is that there's enough proof that I can do and become whatever I want to be. So I have to design that life and then live that life. So I want to start designing it around things that I want to have and who I want to be. I don't associate with things that aren't associated with my principles. It's such a key thing to really understand what you're trying to become, establishing your principles, and makes it easy to say yes to this and no to that, because you got your principles in order. Without principles, you're just kind of going half-assed. You're like, yeah, maybe. Maybes don't get you anywhere. Lukewarm, you get spit out of God's mouth. You don't, no, we don't, mm -mm. no more lukewarm. Yeah. So talk about, I know you have, All in, baby. <laughs> yes, totally. I know you have your own personal mission statement and principles that you live by. Can you talk a little bit about that before we wrap up? Yes. Yeah, so I kind of talked about it a little bit there. I wrote my first book, Unlimited Potential, How to Stop Living with Fear, Doubt, and Uncertainty. The idea behind that was I didn't know if I was going to stay clean, how long it was going to last, right? So I was like, I want to write something for my children so that they have these principles on how to make adjustments in their life. If they were to follow down my path or fall off because uh, with the history of addiction in my life, there, my kids are five times more likely to get become addicts or alcoholics or whatever. They have the same mm-hmm. similar problems, right? So how do they recover from that? So that initial book was with that idea in mind and it grew from there. 
But the idea is to have, create your personal mission. People put to a lot of emphasis on how do I find my personal mission, which is another way of saying purpose. I say personal mission instead of purpose because there's too many things going around about the word purpose. Mm. It seems convoluted. So I say personal mission because you have to make something your personal mission, whether that is to be the greatest mother in the world, right? That is a personal mission. It is also, or it could be your purpose, if you want to call it, right? So defining what your personal mission is, but then turn around and aligning your attitudes, your beliefs, and your commitments towards achieving that personal mission. That's the high level that I spoke about, I speak about in the book, and I give some practical steps. And that has evolved into where I'm doing a coaching. I kind of alluded to it again, for my high performance strategies. And there's the four P's are, again, personal mission. You have, it all begins with a personal mission. Then it moves into the personal development. You have your productivity and you have your people skills, which I already discussed a little bit there. But how do I get all these together towards achieving my personal mission? And when I do all of these things, I start performing at a whole higher level than I ever could have believed. Because everything is all aligned towards one common goal. That's where I'm trying to live my life is right. by that one common goal. And it makes my decision making so much easier. Yes. That my, is, my yes has become yes is my no's are no. Right. And when you have that clarity around one direction and one purpose, it makes everything else like, yeah, then there's not the decision fatigue around, should I do it? Should I not do it? I don't know. The yeses become and those become so much more obvious. And there's like not an emotional commitment to them. It's just like, no, if it's in the yes bin or the no bin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that you say part of a great word there is clarity. And so when I talk to part of my, my personal mission there is my goal is to help people to get that, basically coaches at this point, really focus on coaches, but solopreneurs to get the clarity, the confidence, the courage, and the commitment to design and build meaningful businesses so they can live a life that they're proud of walking down the street saying I have, mm -hmm. right? That yeah. takes you having the clarity of where you're going, but you also have to have confidence to be that, to step into, to be shameless about it, mm -hmm. but also have to be the courage to go out and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I don't care what you think. Right, right. And that make sure every your commitments follow back that up. I love it. But I know it's just one idea that all comes together. And that is, I love saying this, this is, again, this is to make life happen every day, to make yeah. Life happens every day. And so you have to determine what life looks like for you and then wake up every day and make it happen. Make life happen every day. That's the mantra for No Doubt Nation. Oh, I love it. Yes, I totally agree. And like, that's a big responsibility, but also it's simple. <laughs> like, it's don't be a bystander in your own life. Like, be an active participant. Take responsibility for the direction you're going. Okay, this has been so great, Fortune. I so appreciate you being here. And before we wrap, I want to know in what ways you're a shameless dad, because that's always the question that we end with. And maybe you could also just let us know, we haven't circled back yet to how old your kids are now, your relationships with them, and those kinds of things. So if you want to maybe put that all together in one little okay. statement, that would be great. Excellent. So for me, this was the question I was like, how do I do this? What, how do I say about being a shameless dad? One of the things for me is that I don't sugarcoat things for my kids. And so for me being shameless is me letting them know that daddy has to go to meetings. My daughter, who's four at this time, her mother actually went back out into the streets when she was two months old. Mm. Okay. So I'd been out a month. My daughter was born a month before I was released. And our, her mother went back out to the streets a month after she was released. Right. Luckily, she didn't have any pictures or born with anything like that, any dependencies. But I had at that point was a point where I was like, I have to make a decision. I really have to change. And that's what I really stepped up my game on really focusing on how I need to change my life. But my daughter's been coming with me to 12-step programs since she was an infant. Like, wow. people know who she is. That's amazing. My son knows that, you know, I'm in recovery, and I have no problems trying to reach out to him. At this point, I sent him a text because I once heard that a speaker say he's traveling all over the world, but he really wanted his kids to know he was thinking about him, so mm -hmm. he'd call him every day. So I call my son every day between 9 and 10 when I'm getting off from my second job, mm -hmm. my B job. And he doesn't answer most of the time. He's a teenager. He's 17 at this point. <laughs> I doesn't answer most of the time, but I do it. I told him yeah. I was going to call. I wanted him to know. And I was like, I know you're not going to answer most of the time, but I want you to know I was thinking about you because he lives with his mother who's about two hours away from us. Okay. And I started a new habit of starting to text him to text him when he said, have a great day. And I feel kind of weird because that's like a mama type thing to do. I love I it. Do it anyway. Keep doing I that. I love like, it. I love you. Oh my God, I feel so mushy. Then I feel good about sending it off. Though. Oh, that's so good though. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's taking off the mask of masculinity, like to be like, 
I'm well, just going to be the mushy dad dude and that's what I'm going to model. And I think that's so important to model like a little bit of vulnerability. I love that. Absolutely. And I had to do it to my dad. He's not a real touchy feely type of hug stuff, but I come in, I, he got a bald head. I kiss him on his bald head. <laughs> I love you doing big hugs. Just because he doesn't it. like it. And now he's at the point now he kind of accepts it. So for me, being shameless is me accepting who I am for yeah. my kids to say that it's okay for to be who you are. Yeah. They, I brought home last night, I brought home this pink cowgirl hat with like frilly stuff on it and had like little lights up in the front of it. And I had it on for my daughter, but I'm walking around wearing it. Like it's my, owning it. Like this to be uh, owning it. And not like this, it's okay to be whoever you want to be. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Just own it and be there. It. That's what it's for me. I love it. Oh, an example of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. This is such a great ending. I love this. And I just want to acknowledge you for sharing your story and owning your story. And I love that you're owning your story in front of your kids and that your kids are participating in it on that level. I think that is so powerful that your kids see you working recovery and that it's not like this thing that you go off and do behind closed doors that they're not involved in. I just think that that is amazing, amazing, and just really, really profound. And so thank you for sharing so much with us today. And I want you to tell all our shameless moms where they can find you and where they can connect with you. Okay. So my name is, D. Arlando Fortune. So that's letter D as in Dwight. And Arlando is similar to, uh, spelled like Orlando, but with an A. So D. Arlando, A-R-L-A-N-D-O, Fortune, F-O-R-T-U-N-E. You can find that everywhere. Got All it. social media, everywhere you put that. And I will find. have it linked but in the show a, notes. I have a gift if there's someone did. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate yep. that. I do have an offer, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. A little free gift for him. Yeah. So my most recent book is called Overcoming Procrastination. So a lot of the ideas that we spoke about today are actually in this book. And so I have a free audio book to offer for you, for the shameless dads and moms out here. And so you can go to darlandofortune.com forward slash procrastination audiobook. And you're going to get the full audiobook, me reading it all out there. You can go ahead and grab that. That's my gift to you all. It's a lot of good stuff in there about setting your schedules and also about the imposter syndrome, which is a really big thing. We're trying to change and become these different people. The imposter syndrome comes up. I'm overthinking, perfectionism, things that are all in there to help you overcome these things and really start embracing your life. And then the big secret there is how do you start using procrastination as a tool as opposed to something that's tearing down your life? Oh, that sounds yeah. super valuable to, I know that's very relevant to a lot of the things are shameless moms sometimes struggle with. So that's perfect. I will make sure all of those links are in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com and people can find them there and connect with you from there. So thank you so much for being here, Fortune. This has been really fantastic. And I really appreciate you showing up so shamelessly today. Thank you, Sarah Dean, for having me on here. This was awesome. I appreciated it. <laughs> God bless y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.